If you are a parent praying for a child who has misaligned, gone wayward, and simply refuses to heed any godly advice, you will resonate deeply with today's passage. Jesus laments over Jerusalem, longs to help them realign, and looks forward to a time when he is welcomed by his own. So much to learn. So let's jump right in. Hi, this is Hansen from Archippus Awakening, a ministry dedicated to the awakening of the saints to know and fulfill our God-given kingdom assignments. And this is what Kingdom 101 is all about. We revisit kingdom fundamentals to know Jesus, our King, to embrace His kingdom that we may receive and move on kingdom assignments according to His kingdom ways. Will you join me? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, as always, we want to proclaim you and declare you. Holy Spirit, come and show us and teach us more about Jesus and the things of his kingdom. And we ask all this in his mighty name. Amen. Let's begin by reading the passage for today. Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 to 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It all began with Jesus' entry into Jerusalem in Matthew chapter 21. First, there was the cleansing of the temple that led to a confrontation with the leaders, culminating in a cry of seven woes. And finally, in Matthew 23, 37-39, the conclusion, Jesus' final words before he leaves the temple for good. In this fifth discourse, Matthew 23, 24, and 25, we've already identified Jesus' role as that of a prophet, the prophet of all prophets. And here, at the end of Matthew 23, we are reminded of Jeremiah's weeping and crying over Jerusalem. In much the same way, Jesus laments, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. What appears to be a pronouncement of judgment is first and foremost a cry of love, of pain, of grief, and of compassion. Any parent whose heart is yearning for a child to come back on track understands this so very well. This longing is clearly expressed in Jesus' heart cry in the second part of verse 37. And this is where we will begin our study. Let's zoom in to a phrase that we find in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. As a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Do you know that this is God language? Israel is very familiar with such phrases and pictures of birds looking after and protecting their young. For example, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 11 and 12, as an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings, so the Lord alone led him. 
Now, even the Holy Spirit is described as hovering in the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. So this picture of a bird, it may be an eagle or a hen, looking after its young, hovering over them, watching over them, is very, very familiar. It's God language. Let's look at Psalm 91, verse 4. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. And again in Psalm 17, verses 8 and 9, same thing. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. And once more, in Psalm 36, verse 7, How precious is your loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust, where? Under the shadow of your wings. Now so familiar is this picture of God's people coming under the protection and guidance of God, that later on, Gentiles who converted to Judaism were known to also have come under the wings of the Lord God. And we take this example looking at Ruth. It says in Ruth chapter 2, verse 12, The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. So a very, very familiar picture. But let us not miss the Christological implications here. Jesus was the one speaking these words. Jesus is portraying himself and demonstrating that he is God. When Jesus said, I wanted together, he was using the words of God. He was identifying himself as God. How often I've been wanting to do this. And it wasn't just the three years when he was on earth, but as God, he tried to gather Israel for the longest time over and over again. As a hen would gather her chicks under her wings. Now, this biblical phrase has become also a very familiar idiom drawn from this one verse. To take someone under one's wings. Now, we use that quite often, right? When we are looking in a marketplace or we are taking someone under our care or charge. Look at what it says in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. To take someone under one's wings means to help, to teach, or to take care of someone who's younger or has less experience. And this means to care for, to protect, to guide, to direct, to train, and even to mentor. Now, this sounds a lot like discipleship, doesn't it? You see, God longs to take His people under His wings. And those who gather under His wings, they get to learn from God Himself. How cool is that? And in the same way, Jesus invites all, every one of us, to learn from Him. He desires to take us under His wings. He wants to help us to align. And as a hen gathers her chicks, Jesus wants to gather us that we may be his chicks to learn alignment from him. And that's why the title of this teaching, that we are to be alignment chicks. You get it? <laughs> we want to come under his wings for guidance as well as for directions so that we can have the right reference points to properly check alignment. Now, there's no better person to learn from. We learn from the king. We learn about his kingdom and we want to catch his heart. We don't want to learn from the things of the world. We don't even want to learn from religion or institutional kind of uh, religious thinking. 
Definitely not that. When the Lord said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He was asking the people to come out of a religious mentality that was causing them to be burdened and to be burnt out. He says, Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Unlike the burden and the legalism of institutionalized religion, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sounds good, yes? Now, is this not the best invitation and offer in the world? Jesus invites everyone to come under his wings. He wants to take all of us under his care, his protection, as well as his direction. Now, this is what Jesus wants. But sadly, not everyone wants what Jesus wants. Now, we see this in the second part again in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. You know, Jesus' kingdom curriculum is a curriculum of choice. It's the best. This is the best alignment check you can ever get or find or be enrolled in. But this may be a curriculum of choice. But we still have a choice if we want to come under His wings or not, to be under His care, under His authority, under His direction. Sadly, the religious leaders were not interested. That one line, you were not willing. They refused to acknowledge their own misalignments. They misinterpreted scripture. They missed entirely the heart of God. They didn't want the kingdom. They preferred an organized religion more than a relationship with the king. Now, this seems to be a common response even for today. But when we look back to Israel's response, this is not a new kind of rejection of Jesus. Look at Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see. Ask for the old paths where the good way is. Walk in it, and then you will find rest for your souls. Now what did they say? But they said, We will not walk in it. You see the same reaction again. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. But you would not. A very common response, rejecting God, rejecting Jesus. And yet the Lord doesn't give up, but He gives chance after chance. What He does is He sends prophets to help His people and messengers of the kingdom. These prophetic voices sound the awakening. The things are not right. Notice that the role of the prophets is to make people aware of their own misalignments, how they have veered from God's ways. The prophets were there simply to invite, to tell the people, will you turn and to return, to be realigned with God again, to come into and under His wings. And especially this message gets out to the leaders because they were leading others wrongly. They were causing the people of God to miss the kingdom of God. Well, in a sense, I like to look at the prophets and call them alignment ambassadors. 
because we are supposed to be aligning and these are ambassadors of God's alignment process. Now, mind you, these were not messengers of gloom, but they were messengers of grace. God did not have to invite all over again because He has already given His word. It is by His grace that He releases these ambassadors of alignment to invite people to come back to be alignment chicks under the hand who desires to gather them under her wings. You know, in the time of the COVID-19 pandemic, or at least in Singapore, we sent out safe distancing ambassadors. Now, what were these guys supposed to be doing? They were out there to encourage members of the public to adhere to safe distancing measures, to advise the members of the public against loitering at public places, to ensure that they maintain safe distancing when in queues, and also to remind them to wear their masks whilst interacting in a public setting. Well, these safe distancing ambassadors were also to update and report the ground situation back to the authorities. Now, what were these guys supposed to be doing? They were there to help, to safeguard the people during a time of danger. But you see, not everyone likes to be told what to do or how to behave. And quite a few safe distancing ambassadors were mistreated and abused. Look at some of these reports. Verbally, they were abused just for doing their job. And others were shouting at them and may even have threatened them physically. Now, people don't like to be told. Now, the safe distancing ambassadors were doing a good thing. They were trying to be helpful. But they were abused. They were rejected. Thankfully, none were stoned or killed. Unfortunately, it was not so good for the prophets. In fact, that was what happened to them. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. The religious leaders did not like these alignment ambassadors. Why? Because they prided themselves as the main custodians of the law. I know better. Who are you to tell me? But as we've already explored, they refused to see how they were misaligned, how they missed God's hearts entirely. If anyone needed to be alignment chicks, to go through proper alignment checks, these were the ones. Jesus wanted to gather them under their wings, but they were not willing to come under His authority, His instruction, under His rule and His reign. Not only did they reject Jesus also, but soon they would crucify Him. They would kill the one who offered them love, protection, and the way to eternal life. Jesus invites all to come under His wings. But sadly, people reject that invitation, His own people. Hence the cry and the lament of Jesus. We will see that it is a cry of compassion. It's a cry of consequence. But thankfully also, it's also a cry of the hope of His coming. Let's look at this cry of compassion first. I want you to see that this is not one of anger or of contempt. It was a heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching cry. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. 
This is like in the case of David with his son, Absalom. That doubling, that repeat of that name, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. David cried out for his son, Absalom, Absalom. We know that Absalom rebelled against David and the kingdom. He wanted things for himself. He wanted to build his own kingdom with his own popularity. And when things came to a hilt, a front, when they had to fight one another, their two armies, this was David's word. Deal gently for my sake with a young man, Absalom. You see, the heart of the father loves the son. We know how the story went. It was tragic. Absalom was killed in battle. And when David received news of Absalom's death, the king was deeply moved and went up into the chamber over the gate and he wept. Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died in your place. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. It was a cry of compassion, of grief, and of pain. And Jesus cried like this over Jerusalem. We as parents understand, when our children disobey and they get into trouble, sure, we are upset and we might even be angry. But deep within our hearts, our hearts would break and we wonder, why won't you listen to me? Why did you not come to me for help and for advice? I would have done anything and everything I could to help you because I love you. Oh, my child, my child, my son, my son, my daughter, my daughter. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. It was a cry of compassion. At the same time, we see it's a cry of consequence. Matthew 23, verse 38. See, your house is left to you desolate. I can imagine Jesus pointing to everything around him as he stood in the grounds of the temple. See, look around you, have a good look. It looks really good, but it's not going to be around for much longer. Your house is left to you desolate. This word house, now this can refer to Israel as God's house. He said in Jeremiah chapter 12 verse 7, I have forsaken my house. I have left my heritage. And he was talking about his people, Israel. But most likely, the word house would refer to the temple, given the immediate context. A few verses later, in Matthew 24, verse 2, Jesus proclaims, Not one stone shall be left here upon another. Talking about the temple. Later in verse 15 of chapter 24, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, referring again to the destruction of the temple. This is also an allusion to the warning in Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 5. Strong words. But if you will not hear these words, I swear by myself, says the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. Look at this house. Your house, this temple, is going to be left as nothing. Notice also that the Lord said, it's your house. This is not my house. This is your own built-up kingdom, your own institution, your own religion. This is not mine. And so this is going to be left to you, desolate, empty, dry, like a wilderness. See, the temple has always been an indication of God's presence. The Lord was saying, 
I will have no part in such religion and in such practices. And here's the truth, my friends. Organized religion is empty and it will leave you empty. God is not into religion. He's into and looking for relationship. The key to understand and remember, the rejection of Jesus and his kingdom carries a consequence. And we must not be afraid to warn others so that they can turn and they can return to Jesus. Jesus' cry was a cry of the consequence because he saw how dire that consequence was. This would also indicate the end of the temple system. In 70 AD, as Jesus prophesied, the temple was destroyed by the Romans under Emperor Titus. God's house will be a new messianic community in Christ. God's people will be His house, His temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's presence will be with those who are truly His, aligned with Him in and through Jesus Christ, God with us, Emmanuel. The cry of Jesus was not just a cry of compassion and a cry of consequence. Thankfully, it was also a cry, a declaration of His coming, the hope of His coming. See, look at what's all around you, but don't forget to see what's coming ahead of you. Now that you can see what is not right, and therefore my going and my leaving, make sure you are rightly focused and aligned to see what is right, my coming again. He goes on in Matthew 23, verse 39. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Here Jesus quotes from Psalm 118, verse 26. Sounds familiar again because it was used in Matthew 21, verse 9 by the crowds. Jesus enters Jerusalem and then later the temple to the chorus of this verse. This was actually, I suppose, in part a fulfillment of Luke chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, a parallel passage to our passage today, but placed before his entry on Palm Sunday. Now, perhaps the crowds declared this without its full understanding. But later in verse 39, which we have just read, this closes the temple narrative again with the same verse. And it will not be fulfilled fully here, but later would point to the consummation and the entire fulfillment of this prophecy at the second coming of the King of Jesus. And at that point in time, it will be declared with full understanding without any excuse. This verse points forward with hope that Israel will one day recognize and accept Jesus as the Messiah. In fact, Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 11, verses 25 to 27. He says this, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the Deliverer will come out of Zion 
and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Quoting from the prophet Isaiah 59 verses 20 to 21. All Israel will be saved. The people of God, through the sons of Israel, the people of Israel, they will come to recognize Jesus finally. Psalm 118 verse 26 will be fulfilled, definitely. Jesus will come again and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Whether they want it, whether they like it or not, Jesus will come and Jesus will rule and reign. However, we must still know it. There will still be two groups of people when He comes. One will readily proclaim Psalm 118 verse 26 with joy to welcome the King. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the second group, well, they will proclaim too, but they will have no choice when they proclaim it. They will proclaim it with consequence. We who proclaim joyfully, we welcome the King. They who have no choice, they face the judge. And so see, Look ahead. Which group will you belong to? Because Psalm 118 verse 26 will most definitely be fulfilled. The cry of Jesus is a cry of the hope of His coming again. And He's crying out to everyone, will you see and see well and see rightly and respond? There you have it. Three little verses of the cry and the lament of Jesus over Jerusalem. Easy to learn, understand the principles, but what does it really mean for us here today as New Testament believers of Jesus Christ? Let us not just look back and say, oh, Jerusalem, you missed the day of your visitation. Perhaps there are some things that we can take out of this teaching for ourselves. Allow me to share just five points with you. Number one, see between the two seas. Firstly, see the dryness and emptiness as well as the dangers of organized religion. It looks really good on the outside, but it's only on the outside. Learn to see through the facade as well as the forms of godliness. Secondly, see that Jesus is coming again. That's for certain. Look ahead to that. And if you're on the wrong side, by the time you actually see Him, it will be too late. Learn to see between these two seas. See that now is the time to respond. Now is the time to get out of religious mindsets, of churchiness. Now is the time to get into a relationship with Jesus. See that now is the time to be awakened, to get aligned that you can be assigned for the Lord. See that this is the moment in between the two seas to help others also be awakened, aligned, and assigned. Number two, cry as Jesus cried. How deep really is my desire for all to turn and to return to Jesus? Am I more critical than I am compassionate? Am I Concerned of the consequence of those who refuse Jesus. 
would I cry out against the religious and institutional trappings that hold people from truly knowing and serving Jesus? Is my heart pained and broken like the heart of Jesus? And if so, for one, we can pray for Israel like Jesus did. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. We are to pray for the church, the people of God. Oh, church, church, will you wake up your ideas? We are to pray for our town, our city, our country. Oh, Singapore, oh, Singapore, oh, Malaysia, oh, Africa, oh, Europe, oh, America, oh, Philippines. We are to pray for our loved ones, that our hearts may break for them, because Jesus Christ for them too. Now, how do we pray? Can I share with you a little paraphrase that I came up with from Matthew chapter 23, verse 37 to verse 9. And you can use this like a little template even to pray over the ones that your hearts are breaking for. Here we go. Oh, and you insert that name or your city or your church, and you repeat that twice. Oh, so and so and so and so. Don't ignore and reject the prophetic messages that seek to help you align. I long to gather you to be under the wings of Jesus, but you were not willing. See, religiosity and churchy practices will leave you dry and empty. You won't find Jesus there. Look instead for where He is. Align with Him and the purposes of His kingdom. And be truly ready to welcome Jesus when you finally see Him at His coming again, joyfully declaring, Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, may we learn to cry as Jesus cried. Number three, check alignment as alignment chicks. Here's the invitation once more. Come under God's wings, not just for His shelter and His protection, but also for His guidance, His mentorship, His discipleship. Learn from Jesus. Don't learn from anything and anyone else. Learn from Jesus. Check alignment with Jesus as your one and only main and key reference point. His yoke is easy and it is light. It is not burdensome. Learn to embrace the King as well as the things of His kingdom. Don't go for churchiness. Don't go for churchianity. All these will burn you up, dry you up and leave you empty. Be little alignment chicks to check alignment under a mother hen who loves you, who cares for you, who will guide you. And even if he sends you out, you know his protection is over you. But I know as I say this, I tell you, be willing. Jesus wants to help us. But do you want what Jesus wants? Be willing. It's a personal choice only you can make. No one can make this for you. I can preach this and say over you, try to drag you, but nothing is going to work if you are not willing. Do not be stubborn. Don't be rebellious. Be willing to check alignment with Jesus and His kingdom. Be His alignment chicks. Number four, Appreciate Alignment Ambassadors. Now, these are the prophetic voices that keep us on track. 
These are the ones who would bring the message of awakening and even the invitation of aligning with Jesus. These alignment ambassadors love you because Jesus sent them to love us and to guide us. Don't ignore, don't reject, don't abuse them. And more critically, please do not be deceived by false prophetic utterances that only stroke your ego and tell you that everything is okay, that you can go on living in misalignment. Do you know Jeremiah had the same challenge and he had to deal with the same issue? The Lord said through him to tell the people of Israel, the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule by their own power and my people love to have it so. Isn't it crazy? We love false prophecy because they make us feel good. Jeremiah 14, 14. The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their hearts. Careful, my friends. Our hearts are so deceptive. We bluff ourselves thinking that we love Jesus when actually we are misaligned. Jeremiah 23 verse 16. Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak a vision of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. Now, please don't get me wrong. There is a place for comfort and for encouragement. However, these are not to keep us in the comfort zone, but they are to encourage us to remain faithful to Jesus and on our kingdom assignments. Please be very careful that you are not lulled into a deeper sleep and slumber by these soothing prophetic voices that are not from the Lord. Appreciate the true, real and authentic alignment ambassadors who love you and are not afraid to sound the alarm to help you realign to Jesus and His kingdom. Even better, would you be God's alignment ambassadors to love and help others get aligned with Jesus and His kingdom? And finally, number five, be ready for the coming of the Lord. Be ready so that we may boldly and joyfully declare Psalm 118 verse 26 together with the host of angels and the kingdom saints. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But please understand that only faithful servants look forward to the return of their king and their master. And for this, we must heed the words and the warnings of Jesus in the rest of the fifth and this final kingdom discourse. So don't miss the teachings in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. If you are praying for a child or loved one who has misaligned, gone wayward, simply refusing to heed any godly advice, you have a glimpse of the Father's heart and the heart of our King, Jesus. We cry out with compassion, concerned of the consequence that awaits those who reject Jesus. As a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, Jesus longs to bring His people under His love, care, protection, and guidance. 
as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is also the mentor of all mentors, the best you can ever have. Come under His wings. Be alignment chicks who are serious about alignment checks with Jesus and His kingdom as our reference points. Let us want what Jesus wants. Learn from Jesus. Live for Jesus. Looking to His coming again when we rejoice and declare together, Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray and close. Lord, I pray, give us Your heart, Lord, a heart that breaks for those who turn from You, that we can help them turn back to You, Lord. And Lord, we know that your prayers and our prayers in your name will be answered by our Abba Father, that many will be drawn back under your wings and into your presence. We pray this for our loved ones, for our churches, Lord, for our countries, Lord, for your promise, Lord, to be proclaimed over them, that together, truly, Lord, we will one day welcome you and say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Thank you, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining me for another Kingdom 101 teaching. For past teachings, visit our website, kingdom101.archipusawakening.org. Until next time, this is Hanson signing off. Stay awakened, aligned, and assigned. God bless you.